Talk Description to Me with Christine Malik and J.J. Hunt. Hi, I'm Christine Malik. And I'm J.J. Hunt. This is Talk Description to Me, where the visuals of current events and the world around us get hashed out in description-rich conversations. J.J. and I are recording on the day after the historic verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. And what we thought we would do today is walk through some of the visuals around the the preparations for the trial, a, a little bit from the trial itself. And then we wanted to talk about some of the tribute art that has arisen around this case. Um, and so, JJ, do you want to start maybe by describing what Minneapolis looked like in preparation for the verdict? So according to the Washington Post, uh, more than 3,000 National Guard troops and 1,100 other public safety officers were called into Minneapolis in anticipation of the verdict. Um, and the images are sadly what we've come to expect in situations like this, right? Troops in full camouflage fatigues, so helmets, body armor, heavy weaponry. Parts of the city were fenced off. I, I've got a photo here from the New York Magazine, which has been taken through a temporary chain link fence. And the fence has razor wire woven through the links. Uh, just, you know, we've talked a lot about these images before. We've described a lot of them, and it is what we've seen before. Shop fronts boarded over, streets em emptied, essentially shut down. Uh, and then outside the courthouse large groups were gathered in anticipation of the verdict. There had been protests and uh, and gatherings outside the courthouse every day of the trial, but, you know, there were even larger groups uh, um, while the jury was, um, you know, was reaching their verdict. Uh, the, the groups uh, outside the courthouse had Black Lives Matter signs, posters and portraits of George Floyd, um, signs reading, I can't breathe. I spot one sign that read, nothing to lose but our chains. Um, and it was a fairly diverse crowd, uh, most people wearing COVID masks. So that's kind of the scene as, as everyone was preparing for the verdict. And what kind of visuals were we getting from inside the courtroom? Inside the courtroom, I was kind of surprised. It, it it, this was not a stately courtroom. This was much more kind of makeshift and utilitarian. So the the tables that everyone was sitting at were very simple laminate tables with pleated black fabric around the fronts and sides. It was almost like the kind of tables you would see at a in a convention hall or something like that. And there were plexiglass partitions to keep people separated. So in the middle of, a, of one of these tables, there would be a partition so that you could have two people seated at the same table and all the tables were kind of spread out. These very bland cream colored walls. It looked to me like maybe dark gray industrial carpet. So the, the courtroom was, like I say, utilitarian. This was not a grand court hall, a courtroom that you see sometimes in, in movies and TV. Um, and, and so Derek Chauvin, a, a, a fit white man with close cropped hair, he was wearing a dark gray suit with a pale, like a, a blue tie. Um, and he had on a 
pale blue surgical mask um, during the final day of the proceedings. And the judge uh, is a middle-aged white man with thinning gray hair and glasses, and he actually used a letter opener to unseal the manila envelope that held the verdict. And while the judge was reading the verdict, uh, Derek Chauvin sat in his seat absolutely still. He had a knit brow, and his eyes were darting back and forth above his COVID mask, but there was no discernible reaction to to the three guilty verdicts, just this eye movement. And I actually timed it. It took the judge over one minute to read the verdicts on all three charges. And the only thing that moved in that, in that minute were his eyes, his eyes darting back and forth. Otherwise, his body was absolutely still. And then the trial ended with uh, Chauvin's hands being cuffed behind his back by a court officer who was wearing a tan and brown uniform. And he was led away. This verdict was, of course, highly anticipated. What kinds of reactions uh, did we see on the streets, according to the visuals that you saw? So outside the courthouse, people were huddled around their phones in small groups, so groups of three or four people huddled around, um, you know, watching or listening to their phones. And in the moment when the verdict was being read, of course, there were spontaneous cheers. People cheered and then chants began. Um, but visually, there was a lot of hugging. People were sobbing. Um, and, you know, again, lots of people wearing masks, but still in that moment, getting very, very close and personal with one another and holding each other up. Like, like while they're hugging and sobbing, literally holding each other up because the emotion was so great. It looked like some people might drop. And so that was really in in the immediate um, moment of the verdict being read. It was it was very personal. It seemed very physical for people. And that that was what I was seeing when I watched it live. Now we're going to talk about some of the tribute art, which I didn't know about until JJ and I were preparing for this episode. So this is uh, new information for me as well. But I understand that. Uh, some of it is very difficult, and so just a bit of a, a trigger warning that some of this stuff um, may be hard to hear. So, um, JJ, where should we start? This is all new for me. Let's start with, with what was probably the first uh, George Floyd mural, and certainly one of the most prominent. Um, this is a mural that was painted on the side of a neighborhood grocery store called Cup Foods. This is in Minneapolis, just down the street from where George Floyd was murdered. And it was painted by a group of community artists, uh, Cadex Herrera, Greta McLean, and Zena Goldman. And this mural became a real focal point for people to gather at and to leave flowers. And I, I've got images here of of, of, of just piles of, of of flowers and notes of prayer and signs of protest gathered in front of this mural on the side of a very unassuming neighborhood grocery store. And this mural was then also digitized and was used as the backdrop in the church for George Floyd's memorial service. So this was uh, a very prominent mural. It, it, it features um, a, a head and shoulders portrait of George Floyd backed by a sunflower on a sky blue background. And he is flanked by his first and last name. So this 
image, this this portrait of George Floyd is actually based on the snapshot that all of the news reports seem to have of George Floyd. So most signs, most posters, most portraits of George Floyd are based on this one image. So he has a very strong chin, um, full lips, deep smile lines that delineate his cheeks that lead from just above his wide nostrils down toward the the corners of his mouth. His brow is quite pronounced and his eyes have heavy lids. So his eyes are often uh, in shadow in many of the portraits. He has very short hair and an unwrinkled forehead. This this particular image, um, he is a big man, and this particular uh, portrait does show off his his size. He's a big, strong black man, and that that is uh, clear in all of these images. Um, in this particular mural, George Floyd is is centered. He's got the black circle representing the center of the open sunflower right behind him, and then the leaves of the sun, the, the petals, pardon me, of the sunflower all around that. And inside this black circle uh, is white writing. Uh, at the top, it says "Say our names," and then there's a long list of people's names uh, written, you know, that, that, that just absolutely fill the, the black circle in the center of this sunflower. Uh, And then George is written in large block letters on our left, Floyd on our right. And these are big rounded block letters in an orange color that diminish in size as they get closer to the center. So kind of, you know, uh, directing our eye toward uh, George Floyd's face. And inside those letters are faceless blue figures, many with their fists raised in the air in the black power salute. And then in very unassuming letters near the bottom of the mural right over top of the chest and of George Floyd's hoodie is uh, is the very simple phrase i can breathe now and that is the mural that uh that is quite close to the scene of of his murder i'm interested in your description of the smile lines and since you say that this particular image of George Floyd is is used in many other iterations of of art and memorial. Is he smiling? Like, what's the expression? Does his face have an expression? Yeah. So he's not smiling, but his chin looks like it's jutting forward a little bit. And it looks like the lighting in this image was coming from above. And when you put the light up above with a fairly heavy brow, the the distinct smile lines and the chin forward, shadows fall in a certain way. So it, it makes those smile lines look quite clear. It casts his eyes in shadow, but it's got very heavy lids on his eyes. So the eyelids become clear. And then uh, he has a very, very, it's, I'm, it's hard to tell sometimes if it's actually a, a partial beard. So a very, perhaps very thin mustache that hugs the upper lip, but then kind of comes down um, uh, from the corners of his mouth down under his chin. It's so faint, it might just be shadow. And I think one of the reasons this picture became one that was used so many times by so many different artists is because of the the light uh, from above, the shadows delineating the different features of his face. Um, it is easily replicable. It works very well in spray paint and in block shapes. It's I mean, it's a very strong picture. He He's got a strong... 
um, expression on his face, a slightly defiant chin forward. Because his chin is forward, it the bottom half of his face looks larger than the top half of his head. Um, it, it, there's just there's a real strength to uh, to this picture. But no, not a not a smile as such. Just a, a, a fairly fairly neutral expression, I would say. And so this is spray painted. So is this a, a representation of an existing photograph? This isn't the photograph itself. No, that's right. This is a this is a representation of that photo as most of them are. So on lots of signs, there are either hand painted signs or graphic artists um, in in the days after his murder were posting their versions of this photo uh, on on Instagram and on Twitter and saying, please use these however you will. So people then took those images, adjusted them, tweaked them themselves, maybe did paintings of them, Put, put them in poster form, took them to their own neighborhoods and used these images to create their own murals. In Houston, for example, his hometown, there was a mural painted on a brown brick wall and it features a, a, a monochrome portrait of George Floyd in his hoodie, this exact same image, but it's in monochrome. And because of the way the shadows fall, the black and white uh, and grays, uh, it, it, it works really well to, to create this kind of portrait. This time, uh, George Floyd is given white angel wings, and it's set against the sky blue backdrop. So that's where the color comes in, in the blue backdrop. And he has a halo-like ring over his head, and it, the, it, the ring is, is words that say, uh, forever, forever breathing in our hearts. And I actually found this image of this mural uh, in a CNN article, and it showed two Houston police officers, both themselves big barrel-chested black men, posing in front of the mural above a caption that notes that they were there to pay their respects. So that's how a lot of these things happen. People created these murals from this almost the same image in their own towns and cities all around the world. In Toronto in uh, June of 2020, um, 40 graffiti artists from around the city met at Graffiti Alley. Do you know Graffiti Alley in Toronto? I don't. I it's know. a an alleyway near Queen Street downtown, um, a very well known for its street art. And these 40 graffiti artists dubbed this event uh, Paint the City Black. And organizers invited artists to fill the space with art that would speak to the injustices of anti-black racism and police violence. So... Some people painted murals of Canadian people of color who had lost their lives in violent encounters with the police. And of course, the murder of George Floyd was directly addressed. And in, in the portrait that was painted of him here, he stares um, straight at us and he has warm brown eyes. It's a color portrait. He's got warm brown eyes and there's a dark band that covers his mouth. It's a, it's a dark gray. It looks like a strip of duct tape and on it are dripping white letters, which read, I can't breathe. Of course, that's a, you know, very common refrain. Uh, one of his, the last things that he said, and it appears all over the place. It's a very similar mural painted in Los Angeles, um, the same type of mural. But in that portrait, uh, George Floyd has blue tears running from his eyes. And uh, there's a red banner that reads, I can't breathe, covering his mouth. Um, there, there were murals all over. In Gaza City, a portrait of George Floyd was painted on a white plaster wall. And above his uh, head are um, 
two hands, one light-skinned, one dark-skinned, uh, making a heart above his head, and the white hand is bound with barbed wire. Um, I found a photo of a of a destroyed building in Edib, Syria. This, I mean, really not much more than a pile of rubble, um, but there's one partial cement pillar left standing. It's got exposed, twisted rebar sticking out of it. And someone painted a portrait of George Floyd there on this cement pillar. And the phrases, I can't breathe and no to racism are there. I, I, I found street portraits in Kenya, England, Pakistan, Northern Ireland, Belgium, Berlin, Italy, Spain, Israel. I mean, all over the world. Wow. I'm always mm, touched and moved by tributes that people leave. And earlier you mentioned that the mural in Minneapolis often has flowers left at it. Is yeah. that something common that you see in images of other memorials for him? Yeah, there are, you know, when you scan social media, you know, looking for these uh, images, these tributes, they are places where people congregate so sometimes there are people posing like those you know the two cops in houston that they wanted to pose with a picture of and take their own picture um with this mural they're often um flowers and note cards and you know people want to connect and these if you're elsewhere in the world uh this can be a place where you can meet where there there's no grave site there is no grave marker to go to this is where you can congregate and so yeah lots of pictures of stacks of flowers and note cards and there are usually protest signs that are kind of stuck into the pile and you know it can be as simple as one or two flowers individual flowers and in some cases uh th there can be absolute piles mounds of of bouquets and note cards and placards yeah what are some of the other notable uh, art tributes that you've seen? Well, murals were certainly at the heart of this. There was a, a real wave of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd street art um, after his murder, and murals were at the heart of it. But there was other street art and other kinds of artistic responses to this as well, and some of it was, honestly, it was really kind of out there. Uh, uh, I found two different references to airplane-based art projects around the murder of George Floyd. There was a pilot in Nova Scotia who flew his private plane in a precise flight path in the shape of a raised fist. He had contacted a, a flight tracking website in advance and told them he was going to do this. So they tracked it in real time. And you can see on their screen, there's a video of it where they've got a satellite image of the province of Nova Scotia. And you see this, this like blue streak over the satellite image. It's his flight path. And as he's flying, it's like he's drawing this line drawing, this very powerful line drawing of a raised fist in the air. And that was his personal tribute to George Floyd was this, you know, black power salute in a, in an airplane tracking situation. I mean, it was very unusual. And on, on May 30th, there was an arts collective that hired five planes to fly in five U.S. cities with banners featuring George Floyd's final words being pulled behind the plane. So between 11.30 a.m. and 9 p.m., people in Los Angeles looked up at the sky and found the phrase, my stomach hurts, in being pulled from a plane overhead in Dallas, 
the banner read, My Neck Hurts. In Miami, uh, everything hurts. And then in New York City, uh, they're going to kill me. Uh, And this flew over these cities, these messages, George Floyd's final words flown over these cities. In December, in Quebec, (laughs) an artist spent 60 hours sculpting a giant bust of George Floyd on his front lawn out of snow. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. A really odd... Uh, I mean, it's like 10 foot tall, perfectly executed, like easily recognizable bust Whoa. of George Floyd. And, and uh, in, in Quebec, I mean, it was a strange but seemingly very earnest tribute to the man. And wow. Then, I know, really odd. And then in Israel, uh, there was an artist who rendered a bust of George Floyd uh, th- that focused not on his face uh, in life, which is what most of the portraits we've talked about focus on. But this artist in Israel decided to focus on George Floyd's face and head in the moment that he was lying pinned to the street with his cheek pressed into the asphalt. Uh, I believe it's cast metal. It's dark gray in color. And in this particular um, rendering, his face, his facial muscles are limp. His eyes are closed And it's just his head. He has no body. And in place of a neck, the artist has rendered these very fine rings, like the like the the rings on a tree. It's it's really a very haunting. I mean, you could even say disturbing uh, rendering of of George Floyd. It's really quite a quite a quite a moving piece. In, in the National Geographic, uh, they featured a photo of a statue on the cover of their 2020 Year in Review issue. Um, this is a statue in Richmond, Virginia. It features the Confederate General Lee on horseback atop a, a tall, carved stone plinth. But the statue has been absolutely blanketed with graffiti. There's so much overlapping graffiti you really can't even read it. And I think they actually blurred out some of the some of the graffiti to obscure language that was deemed unfit for the cover of National Geographic, but it's just this 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 whole statue plinth, this stone plinth is covered in graffiti. And the photo was taken at dusk, so there are pale copper-colored clouds in the dark sky in the background, and the statue is lit with a projection and it's the face of George Floyd projected onto this carved graffiti covered stone plinth in this image his eyes are closed and he's got this you know the shadowed eyes his his wide nose and his full lips are, are evident and of course he's very recognizable you you know instantly that this is George Floyd and in this image he looks quite calm in this projection he looks quite calm it, personally i would say there's a there's a peaceful quality to his expression and the letters blm black lives matter have been projected onto general robert e lee's horse lee of course is the the commander was the commander of the confederate army the intricate carvings and the graffiti on this stone plinth have a really interesting effect on the image that's projected over top because you can see the graffiti and his face and the carvings all at the same time and together 
it makes it look like an ancient monument of this face, of George Floyd's face. And it reminds me of the carved faces of Buddha that you'll find at, uh, at ancient temples in Southeast Asia or in India. It's really quite a brilliant piece of art that presents George Floyd as this monumental figure where he is literally layered over angry screams of protest from members of the black community, among other people. And this eclipses and kind of redrafts this statue of the Confederate general who led the fight to keep slaves. George Floyd, the monumental figure on this statue. Um, when we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned that you're starting to see George Floyd's face paired with other faces that are recognizable. Can you say something about that? Yeah, I've seen, you know, a lot of the, the, the murals we've talked about are just cl- focused solely on George Floyd, but he's also being included in in, in other groupings of um, of civil rights leaders. So I've seen murals where it's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks and George Floyd, um, where he's grouped together in these tributes to him as a as an individual, but also, you know, in referencing movements of people, civil rights movements. That does seem to be a bit of a trend. I've seen multiple versions of that, um, uh, mostly in the U.S., mostly in the States. Um, The tributes that I saw internationally tended to be just him as an individual. Um, But in in different parts of the U.S., there are he is he is being included in visuals with uh, with civil rights leaders uh, from, you know, decades ago. We hope you're loving the show. We really enjoy the challenge of putting together a new episode each week. To ensure that our efforts are worthwhile, we need to reach as many people as possible. That's where you come in. Help spread the word. Maybe send a podcast link to three friends. Post about the show on local listservs and Facebook groups. Perhaps tweet about a favorite episode and tag some followers you think might like it. Or show your love by becoming a patron. The broader our reach, the longer we can stay buoyed and keep afloat. With your support, we'll be around for a long time. Thanks for listening and staying connected on social media. It's what makes this so rewarding for us. Have feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear about? Here's how to get in touch with us. Our email address is talkdescriptiontome at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is called Talk Description to Me. Our website is talkdescriptiontome.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at talkdescription. Description.